For the month of February, we're going to have a theme on the Beyond Boundaries podcast. The theme is going to be LGBTQIA faith, stories, and theology. Over the last month, I've had the privilege of meeting with some amazing people. Gathering around a microphone, I was able to capture their journeys. The stories are full of joy and hope, while some are full of sorrow and pain. This month is going to be raw and emotional for many of you. I know it was and is for me. My hope is that we can all grow in compassion, understanding, and love for the LGBTQIA community this month as we listen. I was blessed to sit down with Susan of freedhearts.org and hear her story. She wrote a book titled Mom, I'm Gay. She supports, educates, and encourages parents who have children that come out to them. She primarily is working with parents who are in faith communities that are struggling with how to respond to their LGBTQIA children. Here's my interview with Susan Cottrell. I'm here with Susan Cottrell, and uh, she is with Freed Hearts. Is it freedhearts.org? Org, okay. Yes. And uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm a mom of five kids. My husband, Rob, and I were in the church for some 20 years. Mm. And then our oldest daughter came out as queer and changed everything. Changed everything. Yeah. yeah, and we're here at Q Conference right now, and you yes. have a booth set up. We're actually right by the booth right now. That's why you hear all the noise in the background. Yes. And, and it's so great. You're giving out pins for parents that are here yes. that say free mom hugs and free dad hugs. And, like, just the I, – I just sense there's a lot of love coming from your guys' booth. Not yes. that that's not from every booth, <laughs> but, like, your booth – is the like mom and dad booth? Yeah, I really we're like love the it. mom and dad for all these kids, all these kids that are all that the way are up adults, to you know, yeah. adults, yeah, fifties yeah. even. Yeah, it's just what we do. So, you operate in a space where you must be aware of some pretty heartbreaking stories. Yes, and at the same time, you get to see glimpses of like what hope looks like and what yes. like a second chance looks like and what yes. freedom looks like. And so, yes. speak a little bit about that intersection because that's a hard place to live in as a pastor I feel like sometimes I live there but like you're really yes in a in a unique place I would say and 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 I I want people to kind of know a little bit about your heart and your mission and what keeps you going in that place well we deal a lot with faith uh parents because that's where so much of the the resistance is so much Mm -hmm. of the fear is there and when a child comes out as LGBTQ, then the parents are thrown for a loop when they've been in a system that says it's a sin and it's wrong and you can't accept it. And it's a, it's a deep conditioning in that system. So they're not at all ready to hear that their child is, is queer. If, you know, if a church system thinks that being gay is wrong, then they're going to teach against it. And then you don't anticipate that your child will be gay. And then when your child, in fact, is gay, suddenly you wonder, what happened? What did you do wrong? And you're afraid for them. And all of these things kick into place. I had a, a close friend who is now a close friend, but at the time she was didn't know me. She reached out to me. But her son, she was told by her pastor that he was going to hell for being gay. Mm. And that if she accepted him, she would go to hell. Oh, wow. Now, that's a, that's a very problematic theology at a very deep level. Yeah. You don't hear anything like that from Jesus. You just support somebody. You love somebody, 
mm-hmm. then you're going to hell. That makes no sense. But she was afraid because that's the deep conditioning. Yeah. And um, we, I, I talk about her in the in our TED talk. I, she's the one that I invited yeah. to my home What's for the, the weekend. What's the title of your TED talk so people so can go search TEDx for it? TEDx talk. Yeah. And it's uh, just put in Susan Cottrell, TEDx, and you'll find it. And that's C O T T R E L L. That's right. Yeah. And it'll pop up, and it's. I really encourage you to watch it. It just was came out as well as it could possibly have come out. I agree. Really I saw it. It's great. <laughs> it's really you. good. It's going to be, it's going to help a lot of people. Yes. Uh, I, I, you should pause this right now and go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But come back to this. Yeah, sure. If you want. <laughs> so, um, but I invited her, this woman to my home for the weekend and, and just kind of talked well, you invited her down. Her to your house. I did. It wow. was very early on Oh man! and it just seemed the thing to do. And she came and, and by the end of the weekend, she really had a whole different aspect. I dismantled the fear for her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she knew she'd have to go home and talk to her husband and get that sorted out. Oh, yeah. But that's her son. That's her son. And she already was supporting him. But, mm. um, but at fear of going to hell, that's, wow. a, that's a terrible stick to use against people. I always say it's easy to hold a theology until it affects you personally. Yes. And yes. I think that's what this is, especially yes. when... I have three kids, nine-year-old, okay. seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. And like, um, as a youth pastor, as I started seeing my students and having students come out to me, um, yeah. and wrestling with a very conservative theology that I was handed, a very black and white, you know, uh, theology, I had to begin to almost see those students as my kids yes. and like, wow, what would I want my kids' youth pastor to say to them? Exactly. What, what, what would I like, you know what I mean? And like really yeah. had to, it reshaped my approach, um, to this whole conversation yes. and then sent me on a journey that, you know, I'm still on, but ultimately just trying to grow and understanding and hearing people's experiences. And I think stories of people it, I've seen to be the most powerful thing in changing hearts and minds on, yes. on this topic and, and kind of unraveling, some of the brokenness we maybe been handed around this. So let's uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, because homeless youth are, it's disproportionate LGBTQ Mm -hmm. youth are homeless. 40% versus 10% of the population, right? So that's four times as much. And 25% of those were became homeless, meaning their parents kicked them out yep. the same day they came out to their parents. Yeah. Now that's, wow. that's problematic. If I get an email that's a little tough, I'll probably put it away for a day. I'll, I'll give it a day, maybe two, maybe a week yeah. before I answer it. So your, your child comes out to you and you kick them out that day. What that says is you were preconditioned, deeply preconditioned against this community to such an extent that you would throw your child away because of it. That's some deep conditioning mm. of fear and loathing. Yeah, it's not the gospel. <laughs> it's like, not it's just the gospel. Not. Like, how's that no. good news? Right. Like, and who's that for good anybody. news for? Right. Like, like, it's not even good news for the person doing the kicking no. out, even in their self-righteousness. It's like, there's just so yeah, much. Shattering families. That's not the gospel. Yeah. We never see Jesus doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Or instructing us to do that ever. So you've encountered some people who have maybe either done that or been the victim of that reality, I would assume, right? Yes. I haven't talked to the parents who've kicked out for the most part unless they've come back around because they don't want any part of of hearing sure, what? that maybe they were wrong. Yeah. But the kids, 
or, you know, made a mistake. But I hear from the kids all the time. And one gal, you know, she wrote, well, this is the part where my parents kicked me out because I'm gay. And just the tragedy in that whole scenario of being kicked out. And if it's not physically kicked out of your home, maybe they're already out of the home, but the f- relationship has been dissolved. That's a, mm. that's a shattering thing to do. Yeah. And, and the, the fallout is just horrific. And yeah. I hear from them all the time. Mm. All the, and they, let me tell you, <laughs> this community is the most wonderful, loving, giving, kind community. I come to these conferences, this conference every year, or I have for the past six years, and it's like a love fest around here. Everybody is so kind and loving and I agree. polite and, and generous. And I was talking with Allie the other day. I just said, I go, I've been to a lot of conferences as a pastor. Like, I've been a pastor my whole life. Yeah. I'm, I'm 34, and like, so I've been to conferences every year, and I go... There's just a different kind of like joy here. Yes, like it and is. I go and a jo- joy is fruit of the spirit. Like the spirit is here just in the joy of everyone like gathering and talking and yeah. being present. I don't know. And I, there's I, no fear. There's yeah, no fear. Yeah, they're yeah. just free to love and love each other as human beings without fear of somehow accepting somebody they shouldn't. That, where, where did that come from? Yeah. It came from people. It didn't come from Let's talk God. about where that came from. So you grew up in that, right? Or you I did came, not grow you up didn't in grow up in that, but you came into not. that at a, as an adult as, then? As an adult, yes. And how did we that, were, tell me how you came into evangelicalism as an adult or into well, the church. we had no church background, neither one of us. But, you know, we after we got married, I don't know, a year or two later, we had some issues from the outside that, that were tr- struggling. We had to struggle with financial and other things like that. And sure. And it drove us, you know, to searching out God. And we did. And we had a really meaningful encounter with yeah. God through Jesus. That's yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah. And it affected both of us profoundly. And we got involved in a church that was very good. And we really loved it in every way. Typical evangelical church, yes, kind of like community typical, type church. You, uh, not typical, actually better than typical. It oh, was really awesome. beyond, um, you know, legalism. It was really a good church. Uh, but but our daughters, our kids were little, so our daughter had not come out yet. And so we didn't know this issue. And this issue wasn't blown up the way it has gotten to. Uh, what, what, where are we at in history at this point? Like in the, in the 80s. I was like, well, okay. it's 90. It was actually 90s. 1990. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, and anyway, we loved the place. But, and when we'd move, we'd go to different churches. So there would be... Um, we had different church experiences, but we were in the church for 20 years. Yeah. And by and large, it was a very good experience. But near the end of our 20-year stint, <laughs> we kind of, I kind of began to notice that when there are real problems, when people really have some marriage issues or when people have a child on drugs or various things, there's not a lot of meat in the church that's mm. really helpful. There's kind of a sense of, well, if you would pray more or go to Bible study more, it, then things will be good. Yeah. But that's not really real. And so the bloom was already off the rose to a, a large degree. Wow. So by the time Annie came out, uh, it, that was a game changer. And I, I share in my TED Talk that I... I shared with a few friends around me, 
the closest friends I had at church, these women that I had Bible study with every week, I told them about Annie. And their response was, it's a sin and you can't accept it. Mm. What? It's, what does that even mean? Actually, it's my daughter. And what do you mean not accept it? This is an integral part of who she is. How can I not accept that? How can I not accept her? And it, it, we left the church. Now, I didn't leave God. In that moment, I had some reconstructing to do, and I had to let things dismantle. Yeah. And the conditioning that I'd had in that church had to fall apart. And that's a scary thing for people. And I've heard, uh, you know, a thousand times from parents, I, my, they'd say my immediate thought, immediate thought was, if I'm wrong about LGBTQ, what else am I wrong about? And that's a real fear because, you know, the church has taught us wrongly on this. Yeah. And so what else could be wrong? If one card in the house of cards is yes. wrong, the whole house of cards That's comes right. down. And, and it, if it's a house of cards, I think it's better to know it yeah, now. Exactly. But it's scary for people. And build something better than a house yeah. of cards. Because if, you know, but a lot of people, it's, it's so tempting to say, well, maybe it's a house of cards, but at least it's standing. And to let oh. it fall is very disruptive to people. It's very frightening to people. Yeah. But if you let that happen, you find something on the other side that's so beautiful. You find God in a whole different way. And I hear that time and again from parents. The, the God I know now, I wouldn't trade for anything. God is so much bigger now than I ever thought. And they say the life I have now, I wouldn't trade for anything. And having a gay child is the best thing that ever happened to them. Yeah. Having a trans child is what opened up their hearts to see something all over again. Yeah, so what year was it that she came out to you then? She came out in, um, well, nine, um, gosh. It's okay. Eight you years ago. You can do ago. the math. <laughs> so so uh, eight years ago, so yeah. 2010? Yes, 2010-ish, somewhere in there? Okay, that's all right. No, it's all right. It all blurs together. We were at, 19, we were at 1990 and now we're here. No, it's all right. It's I had right. a lot of figuring out to do. No, so, so how... How did, can I ask how she came out to you and like how do you know how much fear she had oh in coming gosh. to you guys? Like I want to, I want to, I well, I think it's valuable for yes. whoever's listening to this yes. to get into the psyche of what's happening when someone. Yes. It is. It, it is. It, 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 I think as as someone who's had students come out to me, yes, and even someone who's been some of the first people that yes. they've told, like the terror, yes, that exists in that place that I don't think people recognize that the closet that we talk about very yeah. flippantly is a closet of so much fear when that door even just barely cracks open, like, yes. um, of what you might be met with on the other side. Yes. Can you explain a little bit of that yes. in your personal experience yes. with your daughter? One gay man said to me, yeah, we think of a closet like with fun boots and frilly hats and, but it's not, it's not that it's not fun. Yeah. Uh, she, she called me from college and she said, Mom, I have something to tell you. I'm attracted to girls. I've prayed about it. I've tried to resist it, but it won't go away. And it was, it was, I remember being so deep, deeply present in that moment with her that I felt that she was honoring me with this truth about herself that was very intimate mm. and very profound. And I only really learned later that she was terrified. I didn't realize that. We did a, um, a video for The Advocate 
which is on our website. You can find the TED Talk and this video on the on my website. And that's freedhearts.org. Freedhearts. Freedhearts. But the, the, I do a video with her, and it's really tender and really neat, well, cool to watch. But she's she says there, I was terrified. And I that was the moment I realized how terrified she was to come out. Because the entire worldview we had was against being gay. And so she was afraid. And she asked me later, we, we kind of had to work through what does this look like. And she asked me later, even after we completely accepted her, which was immediate, we never left her. But she said, are you sure you and dad won't change your minds and, and reject me even later? Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, my gosh, honey, you're, you're our girl. No way, ever. But why are you asking? Because we'd never given her an indication, she said, because I've seen it so many times. And she told me about friends, one, one gal who, whose mother threw her down the stairs and threw dishes at her. Wow. And, you know, just other friends who just, they're just rejected out of hand in the moment. Or and others who will never have a relationship like they've had with their parents yeah. up to that point. Like it's all just awkwardness and judgment and yes. like yeah you still get to come to Thanksgiving dinner but it's not what it it's used not to the be same. And, yes. and, and there's not there's not an openness for yes. like family relationship that used to be there yeah. yes because of this teaching of contempt against the, this community the people in in churches that teach that which is you know non-acceptance of LGBTQ people churches that teach that, those people are deeply conditioned to have a knee-jerk gag reflex about people in that community. And so when it's your child, suddenly you have that gag reflex to your child now. How could that possibly be a good thing? Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not prayerful, it's not loving, it's not self-sacrificial. To, to throw your child away, to throw the relationship away, or even to say, you can come at Christmas, but not your partner. Well, then then I'm not welcome as I am. If my yeah. partner can't come, I'm not welcome. Yeah, so, so you have this conversation with your daughter on the phone. Yes. I'm going to ask uh, a question. Is there anything you regret about that conversation? Well, um, or regret about the following yes. conversations. I'm just yes. curious because I know there a lot is. of, and, and what I would ask also as a follow up to that, as you go down that, what would you say to parents who do have regret? Yeah. Uh, okay. That's a good question too. So, you know, I remember the glowing parts. We kind of do that in our minds. We remember yeah. the best parts. Of course. But she presented it as I'm resisting it. Um, and I said, I will help you. Keep resisting it. I'll help you. You know, okay. how can I help? And we had a friend who does some counseling that we said, we're happy for you to go see her. And she said, okay. And, and she came back. And I thought it from her, I didn't hear anything negative from her response. I thought, okay, that went okay. And later she said, oh, mom, I, it was awful. I went in there and... I could clearly see she was an, a lesbian in denial about being a lesbian. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, and she said to me, don't claim this as your identity because it'll be, then it'll become your identity. And it was the total wrong uh, counsel. As for me, I, I thought maybe she could resist it. And 
I encouraged her in resisting it. And I regret that because it's, it was not fair to her and not authentic. And a parent's response, I would say a parent's response, if you can do the work beforehand that this community exists and your children may actually turn out to be bisexual or trans or something, then then you can precondition yourself toward acceptance. So when your child comes out, you're able to be fully present mm-hmm. and the and to accept them exactly as they are. I mean, she knew we loved her and continue to love her and was at no risk for the relationship. But yeah. when you can say, thank you for telling me, I'm here for you. Absolutely. I accept you exactly the way you are. You know, do that. That's so helpful because they need to know they did the right thing to tell you. They need to know you're safe. They need to know you'll never throw them out. Those things are really important. So, so let's, let's. So your second question. Is, well, yeah, the second. Yeah, go ahead. The second. So question. about you know what about people whose kids have already come out and they maybe regret some of what they did. The thing is that we don't know what we don't know. And when we know better, we do better. Yeah. And I think every parent on planet Earth who has any self-awareness can look back over their parenting years and say, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd known then what I know now. I was, I should never have done so-and-so. <laughs> That's a universal regret. Let's all just breathe a, a cleansing breath and say, I'm sorry for all that. But so to go back to your child and say, I apologize for my mistakes. I, you know, if you want to list any that are plaguing you, do that. And then say, will you forgive me? And be, be fully loving and accepting to them. And when, and this is the third part to your question, when they do forgive you, and it, it takes some humility to apologize to your child. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've seen in the, in the conservative church is a distinct lack of humility, a lack of the ability yeah. to say, hey, I was, we were wrong about that collectively. We were wrong about that. Many of them are just coming to the point of that on issues of racism. Yeah, Where they're finally right. admitting, they're like, like we're last. talking way back. We're they, talking back to the 60s. And right. we're like, how are we just having yeah, that? Yeah, 60 years later like, we're doing Like, that? this is the, the, the humility. is that, 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 I think, is a, is a perfect microcosm of saying, like, this is an example of yes. how... We lack humility. Yes. Yeah. And the ability to say we were wrong. Yeah. That's a key to repentance, to being a new creation, is to say, I was wrong. I didn't know better. Mm. You know, I did the best I could with what I knew, but I was wrong. Yeah. And you're right. We're just coming around to some some degree on that of that on racism. And, and the church, given what Jesus has given us, G.K. Chesterton said, you have in your keeping a document, the Bible, mm-hmm. that's dynamite, that could blow the world to bits, and you keep it like it's just a, li- a piece of paper, like just a document. And, mm. you know, we could, we could blow the world up in love for everyone if we took seriously what Jesus tells us, but instead we follow rules that were never meant to be the, the mainstay. They yeah. were, they were, they're a consequence. Um, so preach. The third, yeah. <laughs> For someone who left church, oh, I love your preaching. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so when you, uh, when you do, oh gosh, what was that there? Oh, so when you do go back to your child and they forgive you, you apologize, they forgive you, then you need to accept that forgiveness 
and move forward mm. because so many parents are just plagued with guilt and shame. And, and because I think the church of this type, the conservative church, also doesn't really give great grounding generally for once we have made a mistake, have apologized, even a big mistake, then being able to start afresh. If the gospel is about anything, it's about starting afresh. Mm. And so we, we have, we, there's a lot of shame embedded in those messages. And to be able to lift us ourselves past that and say, I only did what I knew to do. I was wrong and I apologize. And thank you for forgiving me. And now I'll forgive myself, and I'm going to move forward. And then joy, enjoy the heck out of your child. That's enjoy great. them. Yeah. All they want is a restored relationship. They don't want to break you over the coals. Although if you've damaged them, yeah. you know, you do need to apologize. They need you to apologize. But they don't want to punish you generally. But you need to, you know, make it right and then move forward in a loving, amazing relationship. And all forgiveness is a process. So like it might be as a parent that there's a process that has to unfold. It might not be like a light switch, but more like a dimmer switch where there's brighter days than others. But I don't think that that means you have to live in the guilt of whatever happened in that moment. Right. Like I think you can. And we have a mom's group online, a big um, support group. Yeah, and ones for dads. How do people find that if they want? Uh, they if, have to go to my okay, to, website to, to, to and contact me, and okay. I invite you because it's Perfect. secret, so yes. you can't yeah, find that's it. that's good, yeah. But we have moms in there who've lost their kids because they did what the church taught them to do about rejecting their kid. Oh, man. And, and they're, they've kids who have committed suicide, who have, begun, have became risky, you know, in their behavior, and so they've OD'd on drugs. And it's a tragic story. And... There's a, a ton of grief. I can't imagine overcoming the grief of that, although that's, that's the good thing if you can do that, when you can do that. But I, what I'm saying is yeah. don't allow yourself to get anywhere close to that risk. You don't know how risky um, it is your reaction can be to these kids. When, you're, when your parents reject you, it throws you into a different state, and it's very risky for kids. They're, they're at high risk with all the rhetoric against them yeah. in the world. So do please do not let them get yeah. one iota closer. Yeah, you're already in a vulnerable state as you're coming yes. out of the closet to somebody, and then that, that isolation yes. of, of being othered by your parents yes. is just compounded yes. in the state that you're already in. That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a stat hard. about the, about transgender youth, transgender, um, women, especially males transitioning to females are at highest risk of suicide. And without parental support, transgender youth have a 57% suicide attempt rate. Oh my gosh. 57%, more than half. But when they have parental support, that number goes down to 4%. 4%. That's the power of a parent's love. So half of of transgender youth, suicide ideation, suicide attempts, without parental support, almost none, 4%, with parental support. 
that's immeasurable. I mean, that's incalculable in our minds how big that is. And I guess four percent is pretty close to the like the population yes. of just a normal teenager. That's like, right. That's exactly. So you're what pretty it much is. bringing them back to baseline. That's right. Wow. That's right. You're removing their risk category just by accepting them. Man, isn't that profound? It's profound. So when you say that, it makes me think. Okay. I have three young children, and I know tons of young families, young parents who are going to listen to this podcast. What's the best thing that we can do to start preparing ourselves? What are some key resources or just even like what happens if we're just in the middle of a busy day and then we just get sideswiped with this conversation? Like how do we – like? What, what should we start even re- rehearsing in our head, maybe, well, <laughs> to prepare th- for that moment yeah. if it were to be something that we happen to experience? Well, the first thing I would say is you have to recondition yourself. Yeah. If you have been in, in a non-affirming church, and I mean a church that doesn't have LGBTQ people leading, mm-hmm. okay? Not just, oh, sure, we have gay people here. No, mm-hmm. if they're not in leadership... Or, you know, if there's all kinds of boundaries around where they can boundaries be. around yeah. what they can do, then then that's not affirming, fully affirming. So if you're in a church like that, you have conditioning around you. Or if you are, have been in this culture for more than 40 years, you have this conditioning around you. So start to decondition and recondition yourselves. Read stories. Get to know LGBTQ people. Go to PFLAG meetings. Look on our website and find resources we have. And, and read testimonies. I read Justin Lee's Torn, T-O-R-N, Torn. And it, it was right after Annie came out. And it gave me all the understanding that, oh, ex-gay doesn't work. Oh, trying to resist doesn't work. Oh, all the things the church wants to benevolently offer doesn't work. And so when you get to know the story, then you understand things better. Uh, and then you're prepared for whatever may come. And the second thing I would say is try to make yourself shockproof. Proof. I had a teenage, a friend of uh, my friend's daughter said, Mrs. Cottrell is impossible to shock. <laughs> and it was kind of true that, that you can tell me things and it just doesn't shock me because I know what's out there. And I know it, it, I, didn't, I didn't live in that bubble. I didn't grow up, up in it. Mm-hmm. And so to get yourself outside that bubble and not be shocked by your child when you find a joint in their room or when, or whatever it is. Yeah. Cause this goes beyond that, that, yeah. that idea I think even goes yeah. beyond this conversation and that there's value in not being shocked. Even as a youth pastor, I found yeah. a lot of value in that when kids would come to me with things, because I think it, it elevated an opportunity for them to see someone who yes. could be gracious with them, yes. even in their biggest failing or yes. in their most shameful moment. Yes. Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, I it, do. by me not being so shocked by it that I'm like, Oh, right. oh, oh I can't, I can't because when you're shocked, now. that's right. Guess what? They're not sharing the next thing with you. Yes. I'll tell you that there was a pedophile in our neighborhood. And I, I told my stepmother, I had a stepmother, uh, about him and that I thought he was a pedophile. And she said, oh, he doesn't have designs on you. Now, that is, I can't even begin to dismantle how dismissive, demeaning that was to say. And I'll tell you what, I didn't tell her anything else that 
other stuff that really I knew was happening, I didn't tell her because she wasn't safe. You want to be a safe person. That's the shockproof part. Yeah. Is a safe person is shockproof. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. I have five kids, and if there's anything that ever happens to any one of them, I want to be the first one, my husband and me, that they can tell. Absolutely. I do not yeah. want to be in any way unsafe for them. Yeah. And I feel like we have that relationship. So like even right you now, want that with your kids. if you've got a toddler or a baby, like how are you developing yeah. along the span of their life? And start, setting yourself up as a safe person to yes. come to with, with stuff. And that is that shockproof reality. Yes. Because if you are shocked or if you respond knee jerk with like right. frustration or, you know, and not that you can't be frustrated with your kids. Like you're going to be yeah. frustrated with your kids, but how, I think considering how they might be receiving that because parents are going to get frustrated with their kids. That's right. part of raising kids. Right. I don't think that's something you can avoid, but like how you then open dialogue and conversation beyond that yeah. to actually talk through and, and, and remind them that they're, they're part of the family that like their identity. We, we, we say yes. something in our house all the time, like Douglas's are different. And mm-hmm. so like, we we're always reminding like how they're part of the family identity. And like, so like whatever happens, we talk about like we, and right. we attach it back to this thing that hopefully links it back to like yeah. their, their identity as part of part of who we are. And like, so everybody in my class has an iPhone and I'm nine years old. Well, you don't Douglas's are different. That might be one <laughs> conversation. That's one way, but then there's other ways we can use it too. And like, Douglas's are different. Dad needs to apologize to you. Yeah. A lot of daddies don't apologize, right. but daddy really messed up earlier. Yeah. And like, and, and like, so we're even modeling humility yes. and, and modeling it as a different way, a better yes. way. Does that yes. make sense? Yes. And so like finding ways to do that with your kids, I think is helpful too, because you're actually, I think building a different neuro pathway of like, that's right. This is different. Maybe right. this isn't the norm, but that's right. okay because right. this is better than the norm. You don't, you don't live in the norm. Maybe like yeah. everyone else, like, because a lot of norm in parenting is shaming. Yeah. We think we'll bring about desired result by shaming the current behavior, but you don't. You just end up with a shamed child, mm. and that is devastating. Shame is at the root of all of, of our issues, I think, fear and shame. And shame tells you something is wrong with you. You know, guilt is, you know, yeah, I did something wrong. I should apologize for that. But shame says there's something wrong with you. And if there's something wrong with me, what, what hope do I have? Mm. You know, if God doesn't love me because I'm gay, what hope do I have? That's another form of shame. So, so if I'm a gay person or a trans person or a bisexual person, lesbian, considering mm-hmm. coming out to my parents and I'm listening to this podcast and I don't know if it's safe, I don't know what to expect, mm-hmm. I, I have no clue. Um, what do you say to those people? Well, the best indicator of future behavior is previous behavior. So hmm. I would check, I would just check what you know about your parents on this topic outside of you. Has a, a friend of yours come out as gay? And have you talked to them about that? Like, did you tell your parents about a friend maybe? And what was their response? Um, now, it'll be different when it's you. It could be better because, oh, my gosh, it's my child, or it could be worse. Oh, my gosh, it's my child. But um, how do they feel about it in general is a good indicator. And that's also a word to parents. That's why you need to deconstruct your understanding about this community so that 
you don't hold them in contempt the way yeah. our church is conditioned Because that might to. be an indicator to the child that, like, right. this is how my parents are going to respond. Right. I've already played this movie in my yeah. head. That's I know right. what's going to happen. Right. And you're never given the chance. Right. And the, and it's it's a bell you can't unring. So they can't... It's very hard to say, I'm gay, get the response, and then say, oh, I was just kidding. And people actually do say, yes, I'm not gay anymore, because they saw what the cost was to them as a human being. So you just... It goes back to being a safe person and not a shaming person. Um, but if you're LGBT, I mean, we have some resources on the website. I have a video I did for The Advocate you can find on the website about how to come out to your parents. And I go into greater length That's there, great. 10 top ways to, 10 top things to do or something. Um, but there's, I can't tell you if your parents will be safe or not. Mm. And I can't tell you if it would be better to come out or not. Some parents, when their kids come out, they are devastated that their kids struggled for 10 years before coming out. They are devastated that they didn't know. But they understand that child didn't know if they would be safe. Other parents devastate the child. When they come out, they throw them out. So you don't know which way it'll go. That's really, that's really the truth unless, unless the parents have really indicated. I, I had a gal write, and she said, I'm afraid to come out to my parents, but my, they've been saying how they're they're okay with this community they think it's fine and you know if we ever have anything to say that's fine or something and i'm still afraid and i was i said i i have a feeling they they may know and they're trying to open up a safe space for you yeah to say that if you're a parent saying that and you mean it then that's a good indication you know that that we we love lgbt and that's fine and if you're that that's great with us is there value in telling my kids that yes just it's, telling my kids like as they as they begin to as we begin to yeah. have conversations about sexuality yeah the that well if normalizing they, if it to normalize it, yeah, it yeah, yeah, in yeah. your home how and would this, you go about that as a parent like yeah, what would be a script you might use if you well, were we, talking to a a 12-year-old who you're beginning to have conversations about sex with that you would hopefully normalize that. Yeah, you just, I mean, we all talk about, you know, when people get married and people have kids and whatever, and and you just include in the conversation. You know, most people, a man man marries a woman, you know, man and woman Mm -hmm. get married. But also two men get married and also Mm -hmm. two women get married. And that's, it's just different ways to have family. Yeah. uh, to, that's normalizing. That's just yep. saying, yep, that's part of the norm. Yep. There's fewer of them compared to the you know man and woman, but they're part of the norm. That's all included. There are fewer redheads too, yeah. but that's part of the norm. We don't freak out when somebody's yeah. redheaded. Headed. So, uh, and left-handed, and just all the ways where we can be different. Yeah. You know, left-handed, and I was past the period when I would have had to have used my other hand, but I could write with my left hand in school. But not yeah. too long ago. You couldn't. You exactly. get smacked for using yeah. your left hand. In some hand. cultures, it's, it's still seen as yeah. like a disgrace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what about? I mean, if you're a parent, I recommend going to watch. Um, Guess who's coming to dinner? With Spencer Tracy okay. and Catherine Hepburn, and it's about when their daughter brings home Sidney Poitier, a black man, okay. as her fiance. It is just replace it with she brought home a woman. Okay. And it's a beautiful story, beautiful way to look at that. Wow. But you've got to normalize it for yourself. And then you're you're able to normalize it okay. in your home when you do that. You see what That's, I mean? No, of course. That's yeah. really good. And I think I would also say one of the things that I'm beginning to 
intentionally do is invite my children into my relationships with LGBT people. Yes. So like yes. I have relationships with LGBT people, which I think the first step would be as a parent, hopefully you have some of those relationships yes. and can begin to invest in those relationships and not purely in a transactional way of like, I need right. to know about this, so I better be your friend. But like in mm-hmm. a way of like desiring to know their experience, know their story and hopefully support them and, and care for them even in that journey and build a relationship and a bond. But then also like not insulating your children from that right. friendship. Like, does right. that make sense? So yes. like, how, what does it look like for your friend, for your children, not to just hear you say, you That's know, right. that, that there's, that there, that a man and a man get married or a woman and a woman get married, but actually to, to invite re- the to, neighbor to invite couple, the, le- the lesbians the, down the street. Exactly. Over for yeah. yeah. Cause that to me, our actions often speak so much louder than our words. That's obviously, That's right. you know, something right. we're aware of, but I think in a child's mind, it makes it far more normal right. when they see it. And it is normal. Yeah. I, you know, the gay men down the street, they get up and have coffee with their breakfast just like we do. Yeah. And they read the paper and they do their Facebook just like we do. Yeah. And it, it is normal. And we yeah. have to normalize it for ourselves to be a humane society mm. and for our kids, for them to be humane. So in 2000, you left church um, and you found God, <laughs> which I think is great. I, left, I know that's a great title. <laughs> I like that. It may already be one. I, 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 I love that a lot of uh, a lot of people I know have left church and found God. Yeah. Um, have you reconnected with the church at all on we this have, side now? Like, have, I'm just curious. But it's a it's a very progressive church. Sure. It's a very deconstructed church. You're in Austin, you said. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There's a few of those out there. I'll there bet. are a few of those out there. <laughs> And we love this one. It's only 100 people or something, and yeah. we just love the people in it. And it's great. The pastor's daughter is bisexual, so that kind of was a good There's open a door, you know. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're, so you're, you've, you've been able to, not that you ever left the faith necessarily, but you, while leaving no, church but, without leaving the faith, but I think you've. You, but I did leave the faith some. I yeah, did have I agree. to let it all fall down. Yeah. And I had a I had a little period there. I call it the time when God and I were not really on speaking terms. Yeah. <laughs> it was I who was not speaking. God was still speaking. Um, because I actually had taken I went to seminary through all this because really? yes, yes. Because I needed I wanted the backing, the understanding more deeply. I already had been well trained, but I needed really deep training on this. Definitely. And so um, I took a class on Job and the problem of suffering, and we studied the Holocaust. And it, the, the pain when I read Elie Wiesel and other books about that, it was like hmm. I, it, it, suddenly I had questions that I had my pat answers as an evangelical just did not work. Did not work. And so that's when I had about a period, about a, about a year, where I barely prayed to God. And one day I was at the kitchen doing dishes, which is where I have always liked to pray. I'm just, you know, and I said, God, I miss you. And I could just feel God saying, why don't you set aside your questions about the Holocaust and just be with me Mm. without having to have those answers. And I said, I can do that. Embrace the mystery. Yeah, embrace the mystery. Okay. So I don't have answers to questions about the Holocaust. So now I'm not going to talk to God. Well, that's, hey, there are a lot of things we don't have the answers to and that's okay. So anyway, we, we do, and, and lately we do have a vibrant relationship, and lately God has been very big on telling me that we're collaborating here. And the TED Talk was when God gave me that word because I was said, God, I, I, need to, 
I need to be at my very best that day. I mm. need you to bring it for me. And God said, collaborate. And it was, yeah. I knew that meant I had done all the work, all the prep, all that. And then I show up that day and God would lift me into a place that I had not experienced before. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. And so everything now is collaborate and, and talk to God, listen to God's answers, because God will take me way higher, farther, bigger than I ever could go by myself. Sure. And and I want that. So. And it seems like God's given you a, a refined purpose and meaning and calling yes. through all of this too, yes. right? Like yes. It, I mean, I and it's not even about a booth. There's a lot of booths here, but I see you while you're talking to, like, I, mm-hmm. I came up and tried to approach you probably like five different times before I finally got oh. a chance to <laughs> talk to you because you're super busy with other people, but like so many of them, I can just see as you're looking into their yeah. eyes, there's this like love and care and like, yes. You're you're very much a pastor, yes, to this community. Yeah, a mom, but like also, I can just a tell pastor. like a caregiver and yeah. a pastor, and that that I'm sure I think pastors are better if they've gone through a season of doubt. Absolutely, I have I had Absolutely. that in my journey. I, I was at a church that was like a mega church, and I just got the corporate picture of of God. Yeah, and I left that church just feeling like, why did I even get into ministry? Yeah. If this is what it is, I don't want anything to do with it. And it took a season away not as a pastor to kind of remember what was most important and like, and structure my new reality around that. And we have our church churches set up our system set up so that pastors can't even be authentic about that. They can't be authentic about their struggle or say, I'm not believing in God right now. That's, that's essential to being authentic and mm. having intimate community. Yeah. How can you? It, it, I read a study that said that most pastors pray only when they're praying in public. <laughs> okay, wow. that's a real problem because if you're, you know, they'll tell a gay man to, to pray that he won't be gay anymore, but they don't even have the experience, the sustaining, ongoing experience of praying. With God, have they asked God if that's God's answer for that man? Mm. Not if they're not praying. You see what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's vital to be authentic with where we are. And sometimes we're not praying. We're not interested because there's we're hurt or afraid or something. But um, but the, you got to be authentic and move through that to get yeah. to the other side of it. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the resources you have on your table that people can maybe get access to online? I'm sure they're on your website. They're on the website. That's the best way to go. Don't even go to Amazon. Go through our website because it's a much better deal, and we'll get them to you right away. But we have uh, Mom, I'm Gay, Loving Your LGBTQ Child and Strengthening Your Faith, and that's for parents, and it's like a triage. You know, you didn't cause this. You didn't. It's not your fault. Your child isn't doing this to get back at you. They're not going to change. You know, you can't make them change. Praying for change can hurt. That's kind of what we talk about in there. And so that's a resource for parents, but maybe even also pastors who have a who have a who have a family in their church who's journeying yes. through this, and they come to you for help. That's right. This might be a great resource for you yes. to get in their hands. Okay. That's right. Um, and then we have True Colors, celebrating the truth and beauty of the real you, and that is for LGBTQ people. It's a deeply healing workbook. Okay. That that helps heal from the wounds, from society, from church, from how they perceive God sees them, and from their own homophobic, internalized feeling about themselves and transphobic. And so that's a deeply healing work, but people really, really enjoy that book. And then there's Radically Included, 
49 verses of radical love inclusion that will change your life and change your love. Mm. And it's, it's, I say 49 because it's seven times the seven clobber passages. That, yeah. And it's, um, yeah. yeah. I get and it, it. And I pull all these <laughs> verses out about radical love and inclusion that we're called to that way, way exponentially, you know, overshadow these seven little verses pulled out of context uh, to mean something they don't mean. And it's, it's a great, those are just great resources. And we have video courses that go along with them on wow. our website, too. So we have a lot. And we, I book amazing. more books in the works. And I have videos. I have a YouTube channel. Sure. So we have a lot of stuff. And then we have the moms group and the dads group, the online support communities that are secret. And you come through our website and uh, contact me, and we'll get you added. Um, and then we have a list of resources for LGBTQ people for uh, connecting with support groups. Sure. So, okay. And yeah. did you author all three of those books? I then? did write those books. Yes. Wow. And I've got more to come. I just, I need to, to have the time at home alone and focus <laughs> and finish the books I have in the works. Oh, man. I have at least five in the works. So that's great. All on this topic. I would yes. assume then. Yeah, yes. And Various aspects. And, yes. Yeah. And the broader questions of love and inclusion. My mission in life is to change the conversation on love and inclusion. Mm. So That's good. the That's human conversation. Very good. Can you yeah. tell us where your daughter is now as far as like in uh, your guys' relationship yeah, in life and all that? Great. Like, yeah, it's great. My, so the older daughter um, came out as queer is her word, but bisexual is the other way she puts it. And she married a man. And so we all laugh about that, that she, you know, pulled us all into this journey and she's <laughs> married to a man. But they're, they're off center and she'll say, you know, we're both queer. We're queer. And that's it. And there's more to that. But that's her story. Sure. Uh, but she's doing great. And she's a, she was just written up in um, Bon Appetit magazine. Oh, wow. As an amazing, uh, you know, magician of drink creation. She creates drinks, oh. cocktails. So Interesting. you want to find her. Annie B.B. Tron is her name. <laughs> and then our, awesome. our younger daughter is a killer musician. She's 22. She's queer. She calls herself fluid. And, um, you know, the musician Tycho, do you know Tycho? Uh, Yeah. He's got a voice coming on his album. It's my daughter. Oh, wow. Saint Sinner is her her stage name. And so you want to find that too. That's exciting. It's a lot of, it's cool that we're in this second journey in our lives of this whole work we're doing and our kids are all starting their journeys too. And you get to support Um, that and celebrate that. Yeah, and celebrate it all together and the successes and the struggles and all that. So it's very fun. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for being on with me today, Beyond Boundaries. Is there any closing statement? Obviously, we want people to go to freedhearts.org, but anything that you want to leave people with who are here listening Uh, is kind of like a closing thought. The greatest command, Jesus said, is to love. Love God, love others. And when you look up what it means to love God, it means to love others. The command Mm. is to love, to love others. And that's our job here on earth. That's all it is. Thank you, Susan. Thank you very much. Another episode of Beyond Boundaries is in the books. I just want to let you know, if you are a parent and your child has come out to you as LGBTQIA, I would encourage you to go to freedhearts.org. And even if they haven't, go to freedhearts.org and learn more about the amazing work that they're doing. Uh, It was great to have you with me today on Beyond Boundaries. 
If you want to learn more about me or find the show notes for this episode, you can go to pastorjustindouglas.com. You can interact there with feedback, comments, and questions, or you can reach out via Instagram. I'm at Pastor Justin Douglas. Please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. It really does make a difference, and I'm so thankful for all the shares that we get. May you go and live a life that is beyond boundaries, giving others love, exploring new ideas, and championing belonging.